last time on Distinguished Adventurers, our companions have entered the tunnels of the Old City, the winding passages and chambers of ancient architecture that Yongjing is built on top of. They've been following the official map given to them to a chamber where unknown people have camped out recently. They've been asked to find any left-behind clues of who they were and what they were doing. After an hour of following the path and forcing themselves through a locked grate, we pick up with the group continuing their trek deeper into the caverns. It is at this point Zeph's light goes out because it's been an hour, but it's very easy to recast. And do you continue? Now that El Torito, for in-game reasons and out-of-game reasons, is a little bit more present and mindful, uh, yeah, he, he gleefully leads the way. Awesome. You all carefully move around the dripping acid that has been pointed out through the door that has been graciously unlocked by El Torito. A few feet down this, what is now part of a sewer system, you can actually see there's some writing on the wall, on the the left-hand side of the wall, kind of in, it's a hard-to-read scrawl simply because of the age of everything. Um, anyone who wants to check it out can give me a quick investigation check. Take a look. Kilroy was here. I'll check it out, and it'll probably go Ooh. poorly. Oh, man, she was so right with these dice. Sorry. No! <laughs> it was rolling around on the 19. But where did it land, El Torito? It landed on a 9, which turns into an 8. <laughs> All right, Una? I got a 10. Okay, and Thubbyuppin? 17. Thank okay. God. Yay, Detective Thubbyuppin investigates. Ironically, yeah. he's a better investigator than Travancore was. Thubbyuppin, <laughs> like, all of us have been in this, like, weird-ass mindset. Like, Una walked in normal. We knew, we knew that Zeph was going to be, like, pretty much, you know, fanning all over the place. El Torito's head is 9,000 miles away. And he was like, well, Una's normal. Then Una's like, I want to buy a Luminous. And poor Thaviopin's just sitting here like, good Lord, I'm the only person in this party that is remotely paying attention. That's the great thing. Like, Thaviopin has no frame of reference for working for others. So whatever you put in front of him is normal. So he's just assuming, well, this is just how, how group, group work works. Thaviopin's never had to do group projects in school and is like, this must be what I was missing out on. <laughs> It's all, what what whimsy. So Zeph is spending a moment because it's been an hour. So you're recasting light on your base, which lights up this part of the sewer. And all of you do see this scrawling on the on the side of the sewer system. But Thaviyapin, I'm going to say it's because you've done some research into magic as you've been coming up with the, the street magic that you've been doing, right? You've, you've probably looked at some scrawls of magicians b- before you who've been writing down n- not just actual magic magic, but like sleight of hand magic and the, the tricks that they use. So you're a little used to reading what would be normally unintelligible scrawl. This, because of the age, looks a lot like a lot of that scrawl. And it takes you a second, but you very clearly read on the left hand side, it says, Bargle is being a jerk face. <laughs> jerk face. I love this shit. I love it. That's like my favorite thing about old graffiti. If you know, you know. It's like, <laughs> I love it because it's like you think it's going to be poignant stuff. And really, it's like, depending on where you're at, it might just be lots and lots and lots of dicks. <laughs> what was the, there was a proper name in there? Bargle. Bargle. B-A-R-G-E-L is A. And then in all caps, 
jerk face. Now that I, like, understand how the Notes app on D&D Beyond works, I'm putting this in there. There you go. And I'm assuming you all continue? Yeah. I thought they would want to out loud. I wonder what Boggles did. Uh, he could have just been, uh, he just could have been an unpleasant. Can we tell what kind of, like, is this graffiti at, like, El Torito level? Is it at Una slash Thaviupin level? Or is that, like, Zeph level? Is it also, what language is it? It is common. So you can all read it. It's just, it's so old and faded from time that it was very difficult. And only Thaviapin was able to kind of piece it all together. You can't actually tell because of the way that this whole sewer tunnel, you get the sense that it was maybe like two or three stories higher until everything kind of came down underground. And because this this is now a circular tunnel of a sewer, it's very possible that it rolled. And so you don't actually know at what height it was. Super tempted to add to like, I'm just kind of thinking about like, gosh, I really wish we had a, a writing implement and Una could add some graffiti next to it. Lauren, you are a professional DM, an amazing DM, and you know exactly what you did. Uh, Zeph would like to try to recall if they ever heard the name Bargle before. Uh, you don't even have to roll. You have not. <laughs> this is the thing now. This is the thing now, Lauren. You know what you did. I know what I did. I put a chair in front of you. Okay. It's Wonder God's Tower all over again. <laughs> Bargle is the big bad and uh, bad guy at the end of this campaign. And watch, he's going to be oh a jerk, Arthur Dent. I really... <laughs> he would be a jerk oh, face. Shit, <laughs> yes. I just, like, honestly, I would like for, at some point, Bargle the jerk face... We can create a carrot, like a, a monster sheet, and it just, I feel like it should be some kind of, like, hydra, because it should have a lot of faces, right? Like, the face should be- A false hydra. Like, though. a false, like, some kind of, like, thing that has, <laughs> like, a bunch of faces, or maybe it's, it should be just be Bargle the jerk face, and also, he's an asshole. You all wonder about Bargle, and, and who- might they be and who might have written this graffiti and what they could have done to inspire decades if not centuries old graffiti from someone as you continue can you imagine like when we are all literal like dust in the ground can you imagine like if that is what survives of you for the future just like you know, some kid is like graffiti on the permanent marker on a pretty durable bathroom wall. And everybody's just like, who is this Shaniqua? And why was that like, why was that such a popular name when it's not actually a name that most people have? It's just stuff people write on bathroom walls. That's happened in a whole bunch of archaeological sites. But I'm very specifically thinking of they were doing excavations of like Pompeii and found oh, this must be, like, really important writing. And no, it's just, like, smack written on the side of a wall kind of stuff. It, because humans, since the dawn of time, have written graffiti. If you ever make it down uh, to the, like, like southeastern North Carolina coast and you head over to Brunswick Town, one of the earliest colonial settlements, it was eclipsed by Wilmington, but it became a fort during the Civil War. And so there is Civil War era graffiti on the colonial ruins. Yeah, Which is actually exactly. pretty cool as long as you're thinking about the cool existence of old graffiti on the remains of the building, but not pretty cool if you consider who was writing it. So, yeah, context. 
history on top of history is pretty interesting. Like, uh, even the story of what they got wrong at Pensbury Manor mm. is a part of Pensbury Manor's history now. Like, Pensbury Manor is actually, like, William Penn's, like, a state, like, up in Bucks County. So they built it up in the 50s or whatever, but they made a lot of mistakes. And now those mistakes are part of the tour. I there always like it when they, like, will do things where they'll show you, like, one of the presidential houses. You can see where they purposely peeled back the layers of wallpaper because they're like somebody inhabited this house for many 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 years like we can't choose a single year and so they've like i want to say that the early days they actually just like peeled little bits back and we're like all right this is how you this is how we know these are all the different wallpapers that have been on this house just doing a little bit of excavation in one spot just like oh in that color ugh. That's where your historical architects, there's a whole career. They'd probably be having a field day down here. That's probably a lot of what the the archaeologists that are down here are probably, at this point, a lot of the architects being like, oh, how did these houses not get destroyed when the whole city sunk into the the earth? There's restoration (laughs) architecture. There's a whole subfield. It's pretty cool shit. For the moment, you continue down the sewer system, following the path. Eventually, the sewer part of it ends and you kind of end up back into more natural stone. It's another 15 to 20 minutes of walking before, because a couple of you mentioned this, you're rounding a a very gentle curve that is not really spiraling down as much as it's got a very gentle grade down. And Zeph, you know that... If you would like, you can stop everybody in this path before you get to a point in where you can see where the tunnel is going to open up into a larger cavern. And that's where the campsite that you've been asked to investigate is located. So because there had been mention of caution, I'll give you this opportunity to do anything you want to do before you get into this cavern. Or if you'd just like to walk on in, you don't see any reason why you'd have to stop. Zeph will, he will uh, dismiss the light cantrip on the mace to kind of mask the approach. All right, you are all plunged into complete darkness. Do we know, did Zeph, Zeph, did you, did you give us a warning? Is this a, like, we all stop and like, there's like a, like, hold up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Zeph, as we approach, goes, oh, we, we are approaching the cavern. I am going to turn off the lights. Who has, did we ever establish you had dark vision? I have it. El Torito taps the side of his head, and if this were a cartoon, his flashlight eyes would have come on, and that would have indicated his dark vision. El Torito has 60 feet of dark vision. I think, Una, I think you're the only one who does Una's going to frantically reach out and grab the shoulder, because this is like pitch darkness. There's no ambient natural light. There's nothing. And so Una's going to grab, like, she's going to slowly make little adjustments on her body that, so she is less visible. And she's going to look at, I don't know, where am I in the walking order? Uh, you can be anywhere you want, and it's up to you who you have grabbed. I'm assuming, just to double check, Thavi up, and you've also got dark vision? I have dark vision as well. I'm hanging out towards the back. Okay. She'll, she'll grab El Torito, she, and she's going to say... Tell me when it gets hard to see me. And so she's going to make adjustments to make it hard for a person. Oh, dark vision camo. Okay. Yeah, hmm. yeah, because that's the right. thing. If somebody has dark vision, then she's going to adjust for dark vision. And I'm really excited because it's going to be like when you turn the lights on, on like 
a like when we finally have light again just she's gonna leave it it's gonna be like when you turn the lights on in a haunted house yeah so el torito looks at una and he says all right well first thing you have to realize is that uh you are i see it black and white i don't know if you know but uh in dark vision it is always black and white so you don't really have to worry about the riot of colors or anything as long as you can turn into shades of gray that uh that might here here stand and he's gonna Take Una and kind of put her against a wall. Oh, oh, it will be a riot of colors. Have you guys ever seen the it, set it might. of... It, um, oh, is it super colorful? It's actually yeah. really, really... So she's she's not going to turn herself into shades of black and white. She's going to adjust herself. It will be like... You're going to look like a mess. I'm going to look like a hot... You're going to look like you came straight out of the Wonka factory. I'm going to look yeah. like oh, a hot oh, mess. Shit. But she's also going to, like, yeah, she's going to... She's going to look a little weird, but she's going to adjust until... Like, I mean, she's never going to go perfectly invisible, but so that she just doesn't... Right. It's... Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. El Torito assists Una with some dark vision appropriate camouflage. Absolutely. Yeah. All of you can see. Uh, it's not that Una goes, like you said, completely invisible, but definitely it's a patterning thing, right? The reason that when the lights come back on, you're going to look a little bit of a riot of color is because it's less about the specific color and more you are in natural caverns of stone. And so the different gradations that you are causing your skin to take on are mimicking the the different gradations you would see in the side of a, a stone wall. And so, yeah, if you're standing still, for anyone even that has dark vision, it would be difficult to see you. Nice. I love it. I'm excited. There's going to be no one here. This is good. And I'm assuming at this point y'all are stealthing in. So El Torito is wearing like a like a leather vest. So if Una is just holding on to the back of the collar of her of his vest, that he probably can kind of guide her around as as she needs it. Okay. So Una and El Torito are gonna obviously stay close to each other. Zef and Thaviapin, how about the two of you? Are you going in first, and are you doing anything in specific? Uh, I think now that I s don't see Una anymore, because I am now on dark vision, but hearing what she's doing, I will kind of hang back a little bit to let her scout, because I am Bernie Clanky. Well, uh, El Torito is scouting. We can scout together. Yeah. Uh, Una is listening. Like, uh, uh, like Yeah, uh, Una's perception is not just sight. El Torito is going to get as quiet as he can so that Una can can listen. And feel me. Una's going to keep you know. her eyes closed We're on rock, so, so that she's not distracted by the fact that she can't see anything. Sure. Thavi up and how about you? I think I'm going to be somewhere in the middle, like uh, but behind El Torito and Una, but ahead of uh, our clanky friend Zef. And uh, the things I'm going to be listening, I'm also going to be listening, but I'm also going to be feeling out for any kind of like magical energies that are kind of around or present. Okay. All right, so you all enter the space cautiously. So first, let's get stealth checks from everybody. Stealthy, stealthy. Oh, we don't have any, Ooh. we don't have a ranger anymore. Much less stealthy than Travancore. <laughs> oh, no. no, no, no. We passed right. with Trace. Good job, Zeph. Zeph, what'd you roll? So with this advantage, I rolled a nat 20 and a 17. So Thumberchild nice. ate the 20, which leaves me with a 17. 17. And Thaviapin? Six. I'm going to chalk that slightly lower roll up to because you're you're thinking arcanely. You're having to do a little bit more movement and maybe even 
muttering incredibly quietly under your breath to feel the arcane in the air. El Torito? 22. That is a nat 20 everyone trained. Ooh, nice. And Una? Well, I thought I got a one, but I got a seven. Honestly, still better than a one. Plus three is a 10. Una is, again, you can be, it's hard to be stealthy when you feel like one of your senses is cut from underneath you. Absolutely. You are all fairly quiet and stealthy. Like even basically all it is is thuvy up in in order to feel what kind of arcane might be in this room. Just the nature of having to, you're not even casting a spell, but like there's somatic and verbal components. And while you're muting them fairly well, you still have to do some things and you all enter the space. For those of you who can see, it is actually a fairly large cavern, maybe like 50 feet wide. The ceiling goes up almost out of your dark vision, almost the full 60 feet. This is all cavern cave system. You don't see any worked stone. It mimics what's drawn on the map. So on the map, you basically see kind of a large ovalish area and you're entering in from one side there is a tunnel that leads out the other side that will be the tunnel you'll want to take to continue towards under the kiln district towards the middle there's a fairly large it's not a true stalagmite as it reaches all the way to the ceiling it's almost like a column of stone and on the far end uh you know from the map that at the far end of this cavern is where the campsite is actually indicated, but it's far enough out of everybody's dark vision range, you can't see it. Una, as you are kind of focusing on the scents in this room and, and the sounds, it's very echoey because you've obviously entered this very large space. Um, you do hear more dripping almost almost like more just natural water coming through from somewhere dripping down the side of a of a cave wall should Nothing... i do a perception check we're gonna get to that in a second okay. this is kind of what all, all of you everybody notice okay. just entering yeah without even any perception okay checks. so this just is your natural what we hear yeah. and smell because una can't see exactly so una is kind of more focused on the smell and the the hearing and everything so yeah you you hear some water in the distance it, it sounds like just like a gentle trickle down a, a, the side of a wall you don't hear any movement you don't hear any people the smell in the air is very moist is it stale is it like when you come back home after like being away for a couple of weeks and your house hasn't circulated air as much like is it you know, you would kind of smell the smell of, like, the air being moved. Does it smell like that or does it smell stale? It does not so smell stale. There's no breeze, as it were, but because all of these caverns and system of caves and tunnels that you've been going through, all of them have been kind of interconnected in different ways, you do get the sense that there is airflow. And so while there isn't an obvious breeze, it doesn't smell stale. It, it smells moist and damp. You're deep enough in the ground that if if there's any exposed dirt anywhere, you're kind of smelling that a little bit. You do smell a little bit of vegetation, like more of that moss, but you don't see anything that's a bioluminescence out. And so with that, 
here's the checks that I want from everybody. You can give me a perception check if you like to see if you can see any more details. Fabiap and you had talked about feeling the magical essence in this room. If you want to give me an arcana check, you can do that instead. Uh, or if there's something else that somebody would like to do, you can do that now. <laughs> and we'll we'll start with the laughing Fabiapin. Did you give me an arcana check? Eight. Eight? With, with a plus six bonus. Ooh, that, that's rough, buddy. Yeah. Nothing stands out at this moment. Nothing feels magical or off. Zeph, what did you roll? Uh, I also chose Arcana uh, to see if anything kind of tickled my senses. 18. Phew. That's the important part of this. <laughs> nothing at the moment. Nothing feels off. Nothing feels... Nothing seems to be radiating any kind of magic. El Torito, what'd you roll? Uh, 11 for perception. Taking another kind of more closer look around and smelling the, the damp earth. You don't notice anything else that jumps out at you. And Una, what'd you roll? So Una did a perception. You can tell me if you want me to have rolled something different for this, but this is just, Una's been in a lot of people's houses without them knowing about it. Okay. I think that what she is looking for in this and what she's trying to suss out is like, she knows what a house feels like when someone else is in it. Mm -hmm. And she knows what a house feels like when no one else is in it. Like, she knows, like, the breathing sounds. Like, she's sort of trying to take this time and be like, okay, I know what they all sound like. What is it? What would it feel like? Despite the fact she's now underground in a cave. So all those, like, caveats on that. Different that this noises. Different noises. But, like, she feels like she's done this enough that the feel of a house has nothing to do with what she can see. I got a 16 plus 3. That's a 19 on my perception. I finally had a good roll. Nice. Yay. So yeah, you take a moment to really listen, feel and listen for, are there any other beings of any kind in this space? In your immediate area, absolutely not. You're pretty sure there's nothing immediately around you. You're having a hard time getting more details further into the cave, partially because it's far enough away that with this not being a normal house, with this being like this big cavern space, you can't really hear. And partially because that further away includes the water sound. Even though it's a trickle, because it's so quiet in here, you can even hear that really clearly. And remembering what the map looked like, you're pretty sure this trickle of water is actually fairly near to where the campsite is indicated. And I'm gonna say with all of your roles together, kind of taking a second, you think there's about a good 80, 90 feet in front of you, you'd have to go to get to this actual spot. Forgetting that I don't think El Torito knows Thieves Can't. El Torito, do you know Thieves Can't? Oh no. She's gonna start Telling him in Thieves Can't, let's go forward quietly by like putting her hand physically on El Torito's shoulder and like moving her hands around. And then she's going to wait and then she's going to... He whispers this. There's a spot uh, there that just by my shoulder blade. If you could get that, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> and she's just going to sigh and she's going to say... Okay. El Torito is also whispering this, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming everybody's stage whispering. Okay. Since you're going to continue to be kind of quiet and stealthy, why don't I show you a map? We're using the D&D Beyond map here. 
Uh, the reason behind it is it should be a fairly simple map as far as like you can move yourself, you can measure oh, things. There's, there's not I like can a... move myself. There we go. Yeah. Now you should be you oh. might need to be careful. You might need you might be able to accidentally move everybody else because <laughs> I can. Yeah. Oh, yes. And can I can be a little more Oh, and I can use the arrow keys as well. You can pan around there's... You can use Watsi. You can use Watsi, that's I right. Can Bangra. <laughs> the reason I like this map is, is it is because it is very simple and straightforward. This is not an ad for D&D Beyond, but I just want to say, so I have the D&D Beyond app open in my iPad. And I was wondering, I was like, oh, I don't even know if my roles are going to show up for everybody else. They're sitting here in our game log. Yep. That's pretty. Yep. Okay, that's. That's actually really cool. As the kids say, this is poggers. This is very, very cool. And no cap, FRFR. Cool. As you would say in the 90s, this is cool beans. <laughs> well, and I'll be honest, I know there's a lot of functionality that's not here that I think people who use VTTs way more than I do would want. But for someone like me, who when I do use a map, it is I want it to be as simple and easy to navigate as possible. Like, let's be real. I mean, let's be real. We got to not give our group too many things we can do on our own. So I had put you kind of in where you were and what you were doing. So feel free to, to move yourself around in that spot. I'd put El Torito and Una together and then Thabiap and, and Zeph were behind you a little bit, but feel free to kind of move yourself around a little bit. It sounds like you're going to move on forward? Yep. Yeah. Uh, very carefully. The Distinguished Adventurers are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on February 4th at 8 p.m. Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. T-I-K-A-M-O-D-E-R-O-S-T. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. You can all see and hear kind of in this big spot that you were. Uh, yes, you're coming in from the east. You you know because of the map that there is this tunnel leading off to the west that will be where you'll go to continue on your journey. None of you see it at the moment, but you know because of the map of this area on the northwest where the campsite was indicated there's a little bit of a ridge. It's like five feet. It's nothing that's going to be impossible or difficult to climb. But this area where the... And you're going to get close enough to very quickly the dark vision people can see it. So the dark vision people are letting Una know, though, if she's got uneven yeah. terrain. Unless you tell me otherwise, I'm assuming anything that I'm telling you that you notice are things that you're passing along to everybody in stage whispers. But yes, there's a little bit of a, of a five-foot rocky scramble up to get to where the campsite is, but nothing difficult for anybody to do. And then, yes, there's this big pillar of rock. It looks natural. looks like it's just part of the natural part of this cave in the middle. 
tell me where you, you don't necessarily have to immediately move, but if you want to move yourself and tell me what you would like to do, where you'd like to go, um, I'm here for you. I mean, well, El Torito. Let's continue to creep up, like yeah. you were saying, using the um, using the big rock column, using that as cover, right to the west over here. Uh, how tall is that little rock outcropping? It's, it's only about five bit. feet up, and it's... Perfect. I guess it would be considered difficult terrain to get up it, just because it's going to take an extra second, but it's not like... It's, it's not anything that's going to really hinder anybody. Okay. El Torito is going to whisper back to Una. Una, I'm going to move a, a little bit faster. Uh, get ready. And he's going to quickly move to this little notch in the rock right here. Okay. And Una's going to follow? Una's going to follow. Una's just assuming... That he's going to be like, one, two, three, step up. Yeah. So yeah, you can move there. And then El Torito, if you want to, it would take just a little bit to kind of describe to Una. I'm going to say, you you know, you're going to make some noise because not because Una can't do this without seeing, but in order for you to tell Una where to go and what to do, that's going to make a little bit of noise. Uh, but you can definitely both get up this little rocky incline if you'd like. Mm. And, and he's going to kind of, pat Una's arm and say, Una, could you take a knee real quick? Oh, 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 right or left knee? Uh, either one okay. is fine. She does that. And he is going to put one leg on her knee and then the other leg, and he's going to use her to kind of peek over the, uh, the five foot edge. So if anyone's looking, little goblin eyes are just kind of peering over real quick at the campsite. Goblin eyes watching you. Thubby Uppin, what are are you doing anything uh, in specific, or are you following? I'm mostly following. I'm trying to sort of hug the uh, the sort of corners of the wall a little bit more, so I might be a little bit more to what on the map would be north. Okay. And Zeph, how about you? Let's see here. It depends on if I prepared it today. I did not prepare that one today. I will have uh, Gizmo kind of be with the group. I'm going to stay about like 15 feet or so. Back. Forgot about Gizmo. I feel bad. Gizmo probably could have been doing cool stealth reconnaissance shit. <laughs> uh, she could see it. She could see invisible. Gizmo can still do cool stuff. Actually, so she can see invisible. Does Gizmo have dark vision? Uh, let's double check. But I believe if she Gizmo does. If Gizmo doesn't, does, is Gizmo in? in she the, does. Oh, Sixty feet. Everybody's got dark vision. But me. Even the cat. <laughs> if it makes you, so the funny thing about this. The funny thing about this. So uh, the game that I play on Tuesdays, Children of Erte is the exact opposite. I'm the only one with dark vision. Everybody else does not. And so it's it's one of those weird moments in where I just see things that people don't. And it's always weird because usually you're in a party that has more than one person, but I'm it. Okay, so El Torito, give me a perception check since you're peeking over. That is a zero because oh. he rolled a natural one. Ooh. El Torito, why do you not notice anything? As he's lifting himself up, he's like really close to the wall. And as he's lifting, his his nose is almost pressed up against that, that edge. Mm -hmm. And there's some like, I don't know, dirt or moss or something that kind of like flips up a little and gets his eyes. <laughs> he pops back down. Yeah. I didn't see anything. Did you lose your dark vision? No, no, I just did. I looked and I, I don't see anything over there. Oh, uh, well, you don't see anything or you couldn't see anything? El Torito it just stands there. He blinks, which Udo wouldn't see, to, to indicate what's the difference in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know it. I, I, Jonathan knows the difference, but El Torito does not. <laughs> and she says, if you couldn't see anything, 
Don't feel bad about it. I can't see at all. If you don't see anything, that means there's nothing actually there for us to worry about. But if you if you just couldn't see... You're going to feel a little pressure on your knee. And he's going to use that to hop up onto the edge. And he's going to go this so little... So he's gone out. now. Oh, shoot. She's, no, 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 no. You made this decision? <laughs> no, and she's no, trying to explain no. to you the difference between couldn't see and didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> and Elder Joe feels super bad and it just goes boop and then thubby up and I'm sorry, what's she doing? I was just gonna walk over to Una realizing that, oh, you know, she might need help seeing. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Now we're gonna roll to find out if Una freaks the fuck out when Thubby up and puts his hand on her shoulder. I think Una, considering especially the kind of work that you've done in the past, being able to control your nerves in a tense situation. Can Thubby up and see Una well enough to find her? Oh, yeah. Even though she is dark vision camoed? Well, probably he saw where El Torito was okay. and then tried to calculate based on that. So I like the idea that Thubby up and despite being able to see, is walking over with one hand out and just hits Una in the face and she's got enough training not to react and she... <laughs> she like knows by the height of the hand she is so seeing that you are looking a little lost when uh, El Torito goes and then Bobby puts his hand I'm going to telepathically command Gizmo and Gizmo's going to go Burp. and then if you let her she's going to climb up on your shoulders and try to ratatouille you and be your eyes <laughs> she's going to ratatouille me is that is that <laughs> ratatouille ratatouille oh yeah the famous the, movie ratatouille the famous the, movie the, 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 oh yeah ratatouille yeah Radicati. Radicati, yeah. No spoilers. Uh, so she's going to like sit on your shoulder <laughs> and like tap like with the left paw or the right paw or like both and try to like <laughs> be your eyes. Oh, no, you've got a lot of help in this moment. Del Torito, you have scrambled up onto the ledge. I'm not going to make you do another perception check because at this point now you're over the rise. So what you can now see clearly and here, you see the little campsite. You see the remains of where a campfire has been made. You can even still smell a little, just a tiny bit of the smoke in the air. It's obvious that this was a fire from maybe like 24 hours ago or so. But because mm -hmm. this is an enclosed space, it took a very long time for the smoke to really dissipate. So you can still smell it just a tiny little bit. You can see along the wall that you're at the water that you had all been hearing. It's almost as though there's like a tiny little natural spring, a very small rolling down the side of the wall from the ceiling uh, and then disappearing into a crack in the floor. It's it's a very little bit of water, but it seems like this might be relatively fresh just from the smell and the look of it. You do see there's more of that bioluminescent moss, but this is green and it is very, very faint. It's not even giving off dim light. You can just barely see it around the backside of this area. And especially as someone who has been a explorer before and gone out into a variety of wilderness situations where you've had to camp, you do recognize this is a fairly nice defensible position for any group to, to camp at. If you had to pick a spot, this is pretty damn good. You think there's some fresh water. You think this is a, a spot that has a good view of where you are. And especially if there was light in this space, you'd have a very clear view of anything coming your way. 
which is why it's a little disturbing to see a couple of dark spots on the ground, specifically dark enough and the, the, the iron smell makes you think, yeah, there's there's some blood on the ground. And on the opposite side of the campfire, you do see a humanoid-sized thing lying on the ground, unmoving. Okay. El Torito is going to back up just a little bit, and he's going to go up to Thuvi Uppin and whisper, I see a body down. I'm going to check it out. Let me let me come with you to for medical. I'll stay a little behind. Yeah, it might not be necessary. El Torito is going to go to the body, and he's going to check for, if you've ever seen Red Dawn, when the Russian soldiers, after assaulting the Wolverines, and they're forced to leave one of their mortally wounded behind, they have a grenade under them, so when the soldiers turn them over, uh, it explodes and kills the soldiers. Oof. Wolverines. El Torito is not good at investigation, but he's he he remembers seeing that play, so he's gonna uh, he's gonna investigate for for a trap. Okay, yeah, go ahead and give me an investigation check, and this then it's gonna Seth, go great. You said you were getting close enough to maybe do uh, a medical exam, so give me a medicine check. El Torito, what'd you get? Eighteen. And Zeph, what did you get? We got a soft twenty. Nice. Okay, this is kind of together what the both of you see. There's no obvious traps. You don't think that this is a setup of any sort. As the two of you move close enough to this body to at least get a good visual on it and without touching anything just yet, you also do notice that, yeah, there are a couple of other blood stains about. There's actually a blanket nearby that seems to have been tossed aside, thrown aside. There's other little bits and bobs that you would recognize from a campsite. You know, there's like a a metal spoon lying to the side. There's what looks like part of a ripped off piece of a pack. Specifically, yes, this is a, a body. Looks like a human. It is unfortunately relatively fresh. It is someone who has died. Without doing a closer examination, you can't exactly tell, but Definitely from the, the fresh smell, the fact that what you can see of it, that there's no decomposition or anything. You're pretty sure this is the last day or two. It's a little hard to tell exactly what exactly killed this person. But you do see there has been obviously claw marks on it. Fairly large claw marks. So whatever attacked this person, it was a significantly sized creature. El Torito, as you look around, realizing that there's no traps here, you kind of do get the sense this was, okay, that there was probably an attack by a creature of some sort. And now you notice that the stains on the ground, there are some drag marks that some other people were probably here and attacked and either escaped or were dragged away. Uh, Zeph, the other thing that you notice with your medical check, without, like I said, getting down and really rolling over the body, examining it, you also do notice there's signs of a creature having fed on this body. Fed like drank blood? Fed like ate? Ate. 
there's a good chunk missing. Without going into too too much of a gory detail, there's signs that a beast of some sort, whether it killed this human and then was eating it or whether this was a scavenger coming along later, some kind of creature was feeding on this humanoid. El Torito, uh, it seems that this was some beast's last, m- most recent, because last meal would be- say that the beast was dead. Hmm. It could be very well alive. Be on high alert. Uh, and then I will kind of make my way back to the top of the outcropping to kind of like whisper down, like stage whisper down the kind of the same a- thing. As, like, you, as you leave, uh, El Torito says, it's too bad this fellow uh, uh, wasn't braver. He seems like he, he lacks any guts. Blink, blink. Ba-dum-boom. I assume you say that just like normal volume. How many kids does El Torito have again? I think we're still whispering. And Una just says, read the room. Uh, well, I cannot read the room. There's no graffiti here. I don't think anyone else here is a jerk face. Very, very Drax-like delivery. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so I'll, I'll stage whisper that down. And then when I hear uh, El Torito say jerk face, I go back and I check to see if he has any identification that may say that this is Bargle. All right, so you're actually going to, like... Man, Lauren. Get up Lauren, in there. Okay. Yeah, Lauren let's, says, let's, never let's again, never again, fun, cute things. She says, this is why you can't have fun, cute things. Just wanted to give you some, some flavor text. Did you want an investigation on that one? Okay, so here's what I want. Since you're looking specifically for identification. Yeah. Uh, yes, give me an investigation check. Also, Thaviapin. Thomber Child, Nat 20. Nice. Ooh, okay. So 24. Saviapin, as you've been standing there with Una and you've been given this information, what's your passive arcana? So what's your arcana bonus plus 10? Oh, 16. Okay. I'm assuming nobody has, uh, besides Zeph, I'm assuming Una and El Torito don't have higher than that. I don't think I do. Uh, mine's only a 14 for passive. Uh, no, not for arcana. It's probably like nine. Yeah, so that's a 12. So that's not going to be a 16. And then if you have disadvantage, you take off Mm, five. Yeah. And if you have advantage, you add five. I do not have either. Perception, investigation, and insight tend to be the three passives that get asked for a lot. So that's why they put them on the sheet. You all don't want to know my passive stealth. Bad. $5 foot long over here. (laughs) Hey, listen. Sometimes you got to wear the armor. All right. Zeph. You swiftly take a look through the the corpse looking for identification. It's not like you find a wallet or anything. So you, you don't necessarily know who this person is. I don't have a foldout with a bunch of paintings of tiny little people on it. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. This person is dressed to be out in rough territory. They, they've got some armor on, some very light leathers, and they don't look like they were out of place. Even though what you're looking for specifically is information on who this person is, as you are looking through their clothing, you you do get a clearer picture of these claw marks. And yeah, this whatever this animal is that attacked this person must be bigger than you, bigger than a lion, bigger than a lot of creatures that you know of that are usually in the not underdark but in the undercity. Wait, a lion? Bigger. Are there lions in the Undercity? I'm using lion as more of a reference for the, oh, the regular okay, people okay, here. Okay, okay, Reg- okay, okay. I was like, wait a second, hold on. This is yeah. new. And there would be lions up top, but not down, not underneath. But yes, uh, this is whatever slashed into this person. The claw marks are massive. Are you thinking grizzly bear? Maybe even bigger than that. Or at least the claws themselves would be bigger than what you'd expect on a grizzly bear. You don't find 
identification, at least anything obvious, you do find a coin purse that's got 16 gold in it. And you do find basically a bundle of papers that a couple of pieces of paper that it's a little hard to read and you're being very careful about opening them up so you don't make a lot of noise or anything. But you do also find a map of this area. So it's obvious that whoever this was, this was someone who had come down here fairly prepared. And this wasn't a robbing. This wasn't that someone came along and robbed this person because they still have their coin purse. And then with that natural 20, they're wearing layers. And both to make sure that you're being thorough, but also because you kind of know people who wear armor, They one of the weird, unexpected benefits of armor is being able to tuck things inside the armor, especially for protection, uh, to mm -hmm. make sure that it's either not easily seen or easily grabbed. You pull back one of the pieces of the armor kind of up near where the neck of this human is, as that's one of the places someone wearing leather could stuff something. On the inside of the leather armor, you see a symbol that has been maybe painted, maybe you're not exactly sure. It's not something that's been like embroidered or embossed. It looks like it's something that has been like temporarily marked in there. And it, it takes you a moment or two to kind of discern what it is because in the dark, you can't see color. And so at first, it just kind of looks like a ball with a trail on it. And then eventually you kind of figure out, oh, this is like a stylized comet or a meteor or a shooting star of some sort. Oh my gosh. Are we going to get to fight a doomsday cult? Elthrido, do you have a blade? I know you are a hammerman, but do you carry a blade for picking your teeth or anything? Elthrido kind of like pats himself down and hands you a hand axe. I will use the hand axe to make sure I can cut off the symbol so that I can view it in natural light. Okay. Are you trying to be quick or are you trying to be quiet? Neither. I want to be making sure I don't damage the actual marking, so I will do it in a way that is, not, with no concern for how loud I am, I'm more concerned about making sure it stays intact. So that is neither quick nor quiet, I think. It's definitely not quick. I'm going to say, well, you're not trying to be quiet because you're being cautious to get the whole thing. You're not necessarily making a ton of There's still of like a couple like clanks of my armor in my hand going ding, 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 ding. Yeah, you ding, all kind of hear Zeph working on something. It's not. Futzen. It's, it's a futzen sound. Exactly. <laughs> it's not incredibly loud, but it's a little bit of noise. Thaviapin, what was that arcana again? 16. You're keeping all of your senses open, especially now that you've been warned that this was an attack by some kind of creature. It's not that the hair on the back of your neck stands up as much as it's almost like that prickly sensation. It's almost the pins and needles of your, of like a, a limb going numb uh, from sleeping on it, but it's on the side of your neck that you recognize not as magic being cast, but you've seen magic that gets rid of other magic. You've seen like dispel magic. You've, you've seen actually counterspell happen. You've seen those types of magic that negate some other magic. 
And there's a feel to it when it happens. There's a like an ozone in the air. And you get that on your left side. And you turn. And you don't see anything. You don't hear anything in specific. But you're pretty sure there's something to your left, in south of the room, that is now causing that feeling. And it's unnerving because it's not the kind of thing that you would normally feel this strongly without someone being very close. Una, we're not alone. How not alone? Does Una pick up anything? Go ahead and roll me a perception check. And and actually, Thaviapin as well. The two of you now give me active perception checks. Okay, that's a 16. Okay. <laughs> that's a 9. Okay. Thaviapin, that feeling that you get at least gives you a direction. South. Something. Not close. You don't see, hear, smell, taste, or anything else. It's just that, ar- that arcane sense. Una, you cock your head a little bit and listen. And you hear two things. You hear the scraping of claws on stone. Very slowly. Obviously something being quiet. Something trying to be slow. And the flap of feathers. The flap of wings. But feathered wings. Not a bat of some sort. You hear the as both of these sounds go from where you are to the south and they they move for a second you're like they're moving away they're moving away we there must have been just something that's starting to move away but then they start to come around and it's very clear in this moment as thavi as you're still feeling this this weird sensation and una you've keyed into the sound they've started to circle and it is clear you're being hunted and it is, at is it a hoot growl that point that we're gonna stop and the next time we get together we'll pick up right here where fortunately all of you have been careful enough about being quiet that the things that are now hunting you are as unsure as you are of them thanks for listening to our adventure if you've enjoyed our show then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Jesse Florence, Forrest, a.k.a. StabbyQuest, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.